Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hello, my name is Andy Prince, and I'll be reading Matthew chapter 10, verses 9 through 16. Workers deserve to be fed, so don't gather gold or silver or copper coins for your money belts to take on your trips. Don't take a backpack for the road or two shirts or sandals or a walking stick. Whatever city or village you go into, find somebody in it who is worthy and stay there until you go on your way. When you go into a house, say peace. If the house is worthy, give it your blessing of peace. But if the house isn't worthy, take back your blessing. If anyone refuses to welcome you or to listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet as you leave that house or city. I assure you, it will be more bearable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on Judgment Day than it will be for that city. Look, I'm sending you as sheep among wolves. Therefore, be wise as snakes and innocent as doves. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Andy, thanks for reading the scripture today. That was a lovely setting you were sitting in, by the way. You should invite all of us over sometime. That was great. It looked awesome. Thanks for doing that. Well, the workplace is a really different kind of place these days, isn't it? There's been a lot of changes in the workplace. A lot of it, of course, by working remotely due to the pandemic. Uh, Well, that's really changed a lot of things. Um, (laughs) We don't even know, I don't think, all the changes that have happened yet. One of the interesting things about that, though, is that we kind of lost a natural boundary, didn't we? I mean, because used to, you had to get yourself ready and leave home to go to work where you would work for the day. And at the end of the day, you would leave and you would go back home. You had that natural separation, that natural boundary. And, and you also had the work day. I mean, even if you worked beyond the quitting time, you had the work day. I mean, it's it's seared into our consciousness. You know, the work day is 8 to 5 or 9 to 6 or 7 to 7 or whatever it is. So we're always thinking, well, gosh, I'm 30 minutes past quitting time. I need to, there's a boundary. Well, we're going to talk about boundaries in work today because things have just turned really different. Of course, we have the um, uh, great resignation that's happened. Um. That's what they call it anyway. I think a lot of folks, they kind of got the feeling, you know, I don't, didn't really like my job anyway. I think I'm just going to stop doing it and maybe find another one. Maybe they had the financial means. They could just not work for a little while. So that's done all this turnover kind of thing that's happened. And now supervisors are trying to figure out how do I really gauge productivity when the workers are at home? Are they really working? Are they really getting things done? That's pretty different. Well, we have a long history with work, we humans do. It goes back to the Garden of Eden. When God created this, this uh, uh, beautiful garden that had everything in it that we humans needed. And, and God said to Adam and Eve, you can have anything, eat anything in this garden that you want to have, any of the fruit of the trees, well, except for that one tree. That's kind of another story. And part of your role in this garden is to tend to the garden to work in it. That's where work started. It's just part of our creation as humans that there's just stuff you got to do. There's just stuff you got to do. And that's not only for employment. I mean, Adam and Eve weren't paid to 
to work in the garden. I guess you could say they were fired, but that's, that's something a little different, right? Now, for today, we need to have a little more expansive notion of the idea of work. Now, what we're going to talk about does apply to the workplace, the place you are employed. It also applies to volunteer uh, groupings that you're a part of. It also applies to a civic organization. It applies to just human relationships. But we're talking about kind of that arena of uh, work today. Because even those who are retired, if you're engaged in volunteering somewhere, that's a type of work. If you're in a civic organization, that's a type of work. You go to do things because they have expectations of you. So boundaries and work. Well, Paul addressed this in his letters in the New Testament. You know, when Paul was writing these letters to these Christian churches in these various places, he was writing to people where many of them had not been Christian before, and then they came to believe in Jesus as the, the Christ and became Christian. And so he's writing, he would include in his letters, writings to the households. What, what does it then look like for this in your household, the, the various relationships and roles of people in the house, and even to those who worked in the household? Now, he, he addresses that. I'm going to read this passage in just a minute. But it's to the people who worked in the household. You know, in the ancient times, you know, there, was, there was a few people who had a bunch of money, and then you had a lot of people who had no money. And a lot of those folks would work in the households of people who had money. And that's, that, that sometimes they would even live there. So it was a way for them to have uh, sustenance, for them to live as they worked in those places. Now, some translations will use the word slaves, and just remember, that doesn't have anything to do with the kind of slavery we talk about in America. It was people who had a different kind of relationship in their work. So hear what, what Paul says in Colossians 3, and I'm reading from the message. Servants, workers, do what you're told by your earthly masters, and don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Do your best. Work from the heart for your real master, for God, confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. I'm going to pause for just a second. With whatever work it is you do, keep in mind that your ultimate master is Christ. If you're a school teacher, if you work in IT, if you own a small business, if you're involved in financial markets, medical world, your ultimate master that you serve is Christ. The sullen servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up bad work. So it's, it's a way that, that, that now this relationship with Christ, it should enhance what we bring to the table when it comes to work, when it comes to uh, the employment kind of work and to uh, volunteer organizations because we are in it with our heart. But in every work situation, uh, there, are, there are problems. I mean, we, you know, no one has a perfect work situ- situation. Uh, you can have where uh, uh, you're expected to work too much, work overtime all the time and not get paid for it, difficult co-workers, conflict with authority, taking work-related stress home. Now, of course, part of the problem, if you work remotely, well, your work 
related stress is at home, right? So how do you have a boundary with these things and know, okay, that, that goes there and that goes there. Where are the boundaries with these things? So the first scripture passage we're going to talk about, because the Bible has quite a bit to say about work, is going to be the one that, uh, that Andy read just a little bit ago. So let me just set the context, because I had him read just a section from this larger passage where Jesus is sending his disciples out. He's deploying them on a work project, temporary deployment. So he's sending them out into the nearby villages where you're going to go and proclaim God's goodness and glory. You're going to go and heal the sick. You're going to take care of the poor. You're going to do those kinds of things. That's what this mission is about, to do that. And so he's going to send them out, but then he's going to instruct them. Here's some things you need to know before you go. And so he talks about going into a city or village and find someone in it who is worthy. I don't know if that word caught when you were hearing Andy read that or not. The word worthy. What, in our, the way we would say it now is basically if you go into a place and you extend peace or shalom to a home, you know, shalom to this household, if they say, if they reciprocate, right, if they return it, and shalom to you as well. Okay, you've got a connection. If they say, no thanks, we don't want any, you need to leave. Okay, well, they, they didn't return it. They didn't reciprocate your offer of a blessing of peace. And so if they don't do that, just leave that house. And when you leave the house, or even if you have to leave the village, if you have to leave the city, because no one will receive you, shake the dust off your feet of that place. I used to think of that as a, as a um, kind of a, as a way of showing them how disgusted you are. Well, that's really not what it's about. It's not about lashing out. It's, not, it, it's really about saying, don't let that situation cling to you. Don't let it cling to you. That didn't work out. Let it go. Move on. Don't go and you know, talk to the neighbors and talk smack to their neighbors about them. Can you believe what they did? No. Kick the dust off your feet of that. And then at the la- that last verse that he read, Look, I'm sending you a sheep among wolves, therefore be wise as snakes and innocent as doves. Wow, did you ever think about it, that Jesus tells us to be wise as snakes and innocent as doves? What does that mean exactly? Well, for one thing, being a follower of Jesus doesn't mean we need to be naive or gullible. We need to understand, you know, keep your eyes open, see what's going on. But we're not going to return anyone's ill uh, behavior toward us with that same thing. Because the Bible also says don't return evil for evil, but return good for evil. Innocent as a dove. So we're going we're to keep our eyes open, we're going to see what's going on, we're going to understand what's going on here, but I'm also going to remain committed to living and loving like Jesus. Now imagine if you'd gone into a house and extend peace or shalom to a house and, and they said, oh no, uh, no thanks, no, we, go ahead, you can leave now. And, and, and then the disciple said, oh, but, but please, I mean, let me see, what, else, what can I do for you so that you'll extend peace to me? Well, no, we don't want any. But really, this is going to be great for you. Trying to take on something else, trying to convince somebody, let me do that. Let... Sometimes you, at work you may have somebody who says, I do and I do and I do and nobody else does their work. We well, you know why nobody does their work, right? 
because that person does everything. It's that, it's that sense of, I've got to do it all. I don't trust anyone else to do it. I don't think anybody can do it right. I'm going to, and so it, all that becomes focused inward. I'm going to do it. And in a workplace, well, that's problematic. There's not a boundary there about what is appropriately there is what's appropriately somebody else's to take care of. Maybe some of those dynamics that are, that are present in the workplace have been in present in the workplace. It's why there's that phenomenon that's happened of quiet quitting quiet quitting now um quiet quitting is uh, I, I think it's kind of a misnomer because it's not about people quitting their jobs it, it's about people I, I mean here's here was my take on it when i started hearing about this and reading it and i thought well it just means workers are setting boundaries they're telling their supervisor hey i i, I work 40 hours a week and when i get to the end of that i'm i'm going to do my life I don't know, there's always, something, uh, there's always something that comes up that you know, this is an emergency, I've got to do extra work. But it's in general, uh, no. Or this is not, that's, that's not in my job description. So if we need to come to a different agreement, let's do that. But don't keep piling work on me that's not mine to do. They start setting, setting boundaries. And then, of course, when that's done remotely and supervisors don't really know what to do with that, people are trying to act their wage. Rob caught it. Good, yeah. Yeah, act their wage. They're deep in the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in Exodus, in fact, we find another scripture that helps us to kind of get this picture of a work situation. Uh, you remember Moses, no doubt. Moses uh, led God's people out of slavery in Egypt, out into the, to, the, uh, to wander in the wilderness for a long time before they got to the promised land. Well, Early in that period, in, in Exodus 18, he is, they're out there, and, and basically he's trying to establish the community. I mean, how are we going to make this community work now that we're not in Egypt and they're telling us what to do? We have to make our own decisions out here. And so he's at work doing that. Well, his father-in-law comes to visit. His father-in-law's name is Jethro. And Jethro has come to visit, and they have a nice visit. And then Moses says, well, I need to go to work. And so he goes to work. And so that day, Jethro goes to visit him. And when he gets there, Moses is just kind of this frenetic energy, just working, doing all this stuff, and he's overloaded. Clearly, he's doing, got more going on than he knows what to do. And he's just working and working, and there's people standing around. And so Jethro goes to him and says, what are you doing? <laughs> why, why is this happening? There's people standing around. And he said, all these people come to me. They bring me their problems. They need advice. All these people come to me, and, I, and so I'm, I'm having to try to do all that. I'm trying to meet all these needs. And this was Jethro's response. Verse 17, Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing isn't good. You will end up totally wearing yourself out, both you and these people who are with you. The work is too difficult for you. You can't do it alone. Wow, this is Moses. This is one of the, you know, the heroes, the pillars of our faith. His father-in-law saying, no, you're not doing this right. And he encourages them, look around. There's people, there are capable people here who can do this work. Enlist them to their talent level to, to take care of these things. You'll take care of the big things. You let them take care of some other stuff. What, 
makes a lot of sense. I don't know about you, as I describe these things, you may be thinking, hopefully you're thinking of, of work situations, of volunteer organizations, things, places where you see that work out, where it seems like there's one person doing a whole lot of work, or maybe a small group doing a whole lot of work and others just kind of not doing anything. If I don't do it, it won't get done, or, I, or it won't get done right, right we think. I have a uh, friend from long ago that uh, was a pastor. He's retired now. And he started a church early in his career in another city, another state. Uh, and man, it grew. I mean, it's just one of those deals where, wow, it took off. It was a growing city, and, and, and just it just went well. I mean, man, it grew and it grew and it grew, and he was working more and more and more and more and more demands. And in his days, he said his days, he would, he would be leaving the house by 7 o'clock, and he wouldn't get home till 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, sometimes 9 or later, because so many people were asking him to do things. Go to this meeting. Could you meet with us? Could you do this? And he would say, yes, I got to do that, because that's what it means to do this work. And so he'd generally get home after his family had had dinner, at least, sometimes after his wife and kids were already in bed. So he said, he said, he came home one night and came in the front door and his six-year-old son was asleep on the floor by the door. And he said that moment broke him. Because he realized his son was asleep there hoping to get to see his daddy that night. And he, boy, from that, he said from that point on, he, he thought, i got to change how I work. And he just did a wholesale change of how he went about doing his job. And he said a couple of things that he learned from that. One is, is that every time you say yes to something else, there's an implied no to something. So every time somebody would say, well, could you meet with us this evening at 7? Yes. Well, at the same time, he's basically saying, indirectly saying no to his kids. Could you come on that Saturday? Could you do that thing? Could you, yes, yes. Well, he's saying no to somebody. And he said he, he learned he had to get much more intentional about who he was saying yes to and who he, who he would say no to. Another thing he said he learned was there were tons of capable people around him who could do the work. And in a sense, he was robbing them of their opportunity to do meaningful work. Why did he think he had to do it all? He's, he's keeping other people from experiencing the joy of doing meaningful, purposeful work and seeing the great results. We can't do it all. You'll wear yourself out, as he said to Moses. So before, I re- look, before we look at the next uh, scripture passage, I want to set it up just a little bit. So uh, in, in my years doing what I do, I've had a few occasions uh, along the way that somebody, uh, probably more than a few, people come to me and say, you know, I really don't like that so-and-so said such-and-such. I really don't like that so-and-so made that decision. I don't really like that that person did whatever it was. Now, when I knew kind of what was going on, when I felt it was safe to do this, I would say my response would be something like, well, what did they say to you when you talked to them about that? And 100% of the time, the answer was, oh, I haven't talked to them. Oh. And when the setting was right, I would say, well, why don't you go talk to them about it and let me know how that goes? 
That doesn't sound very pastoral, does it? That's not what a pastor should do. A pastor is supposed to fix it. Well, what, what I was doing was saying, you're the one upset about it. That's inside your fence, right the boundary. So you need to take action to, just to do something. So where did I get this idea? Well, I get it from Matthew 18, from what Jesus says. Now, he's, Jesus is addressing the, a church setting, right? But this, this principle can be applied in your families. It can be applied in a volunteer organization, a civic organization, at, at work, everything. So Jesus says, if your brother or sister sins against you, go and correct them when you are alone together. Now, I know in the work setting, sometimes you really need to have somebody else with you. So you've got you to be wise. You've got to be wise about that, right? Correct them when you are alone together. If they listen to you, you've won over the brother and sister. In other words, if they've reciprocated, right? What you said offended me. What you said undermined what I was trying to do with this other person. And if they go, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I did not know. Or you get more information and you realize, oh, there was a good reason why they did that. Okay, okay, well then, it's working out. If they say, I don't know what your problem is, get out of my office. okay. Jesus says, if they won't listen, take with you one or two others so that every word may be established by the mouth of two or three witnesses. But if they won't pay attention, report it to the church. Now, again, he's talking to the church. You may have to escalate it. It may be time to go talk to the supervisor, go to HR, talk to the volunteer coordinator in the the volunteer organization, whatever it is. Then it's time to escalate. But there's a process. Something happened, I don't like it, I need to go talk to that person and say, I don't like it for these reasons. If for some reason that doesn't work out, okay, I need to get somebody to witness it. Now, I know all of us need to vent, right? On occasion, we all need to vent. You just need to get something off your chest. And, and that's fine. I mean, I think telling somebody, I just need to vent. I'm not asking you to do anything, just, can I just say this? That's, that can be, bring relief. Now, sometimes we want to talk to somebody else because what we really want is to get them angry too, upset them also, make them think, well, something ought to be done about that. And then I'm going to sit back while they go talk to that person. Right? I mean, we used to do this in middle school, right? Sometimes we still do it in the workplace or in volunteer organizations or in relationships. I mean, if you've raised kids and, ha- and done so with a, a spouse or partner, then you've surely had the experience where a kid asks you for something and you say, no, we can't do that. And then the kid goes to the other. <laughs> and that one says yes. So you see how that works. That never works out well. So sometimes... We have to just get somebody to vent. Sometimes we may need that person to say, could you go with me to talk to this person? But to do so as innocent as doves. Now, we've been, I've, I've been talking about workplace and volunteering and civic organizations, the, the dynamics that are present in those things. And whatever it is that, that you're, you're engaged in, your employment, your volunteer associations, all those things, 
I would hope that somewhere in your life, somewhere, somehow, you feel a true sense of calling. That you, you feel this sense of, this, this is what I'm made to do. It, it may be what earns your paycheck. It may not be. It may be something that you do kind of on the side. You have to earn a paycheck, but this is what really gives my life meaning. But that kind of thing that, well, the word is vocation. The word is vocation, which means literally to, to give voice to or to call forth. So it's that thing in your life. One author wrote about vocation, a sense of vocation, and he, the name of the book is Let Your Life Speak. Let your life speak. That that's truly, that it's something that, that wraps around your heart and just pulls you forward. So there's a great quote by Fred Beekner about this. He said, vocation is the place where our deep gladness meets the world's deep need. Where our deep gladness meets our world's deep need. That somehow what we do connects with somebody else and that, man, at that intersection, you really begin to sense that, that purpose, that sense of abundant life that Jesus said we would have. And when we do that, when we're in that place, that makes boundaries a whole lot different, makes it a whole lot easier because we know what we're about. We know what we're working toward. We know what we're doing. And we feel secure about that. I hope you have that somehow, somewhere in your life. And I know people who could not earn a paycheck for what their calling is, so they do something to earn a paycheck, and they, but they do their calling too. If you don't have that sense, I encourage you to continue to pray about that. God, what is it? What is it? And what is the thing that you can lose yourself in? What is the thing that you just think, man, that, is, that, that hits me here? And then begin praying, talking to others. How does that meet need somewhere? And how can I fulfill the person that God has intended me to be, to be as whole and complete as I possibly can? Somebody who will witness to God's goodness and glory that will be a blessing to others. Let's pray. God, we're grateful for uh, the call that you have placed on our lives. You've, you've placed the call to be reconciled to you, to receive your forgiveness, and to live a new life in Christ. But you also place a call on each one of us because we know that you have given each one of us a unique imprint of your presence. You've created us in your image. And so God, help us to discern what it is about each one of us individually that you call us to and how that intersects with the need of somebody else. Help us to see that call, to hear that call, to feel it, and then give us the courage to move toward it. So that in all of our work, whether it's in employment, whether it's volunteering, whatever it is, that we would be the person you intend us to be, and that we would be a blessing to others. This we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.